The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. It doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I never did find out what she meant. You've always been a voice of reason in all this. All what? I don't know what she was talking about. Andrew found it. He puts it in there. What he does is... The positive ones, he goes and he strips from uh, Al Cresta's show or Teresa Tamio's show or some of the... Wonderful shows coming from uh, EWTN called Communion. And so he takes those and he just puts them in my bumper and it makes it sound like these people are sweet to me and complimenting me, which is okay. I don't have any any problems with that. Nobody's going to chase it down. Nice to have you here, as I said to the one gentleman on The Doctor Is In. Here for me is Wichita, Kansas. We are taping, we've taped last night to programs of Living Right with Dr. Ray, the TV show on EWGN. Tonight, two more. Last night, we were blessed with an absolutely overflow crowd. A lot of college kids came from uh, Western or um, Wichita State U, and it was wonderful to see them. And I guess they're coming back tonight. I think it's the pizza with the pepperoni. Tonight, again, some phenomenal guests. we got Father Drew Hoffman and Father Derek Tomey. Father Drew is a pastor at St. Paul Catholic Student Center, Wichita State. Father Derek Tomey is chaplain, St. Pius X Catholic Student Center, Pittsburgh State. Pittsburgh State, don't get confused, that's here in Kansas. These guys really have done a job in keeping the toughest group in the faith, college kids. I'm going to find out how they're doing it. I'm going to find out how they can talk to parents because anywhere between 40 and 80% of kids leave the faith. When they go to college. That's what you get for your money, folks. Yeah, that's right. And then they come out with loans, too. So that's that's real good, too. And then they come out probably not working in the degree field they were educated in. But that's another story for another time. And then our guest on a second show tonight is the nephew of now servant of God, Father Emil Capen. The Ray Capen is his nephew. Uh, Father, I was reading on him. It's a fascinating, fascinating story, Father Emil was in a prisoner of war camp in North Korea. He died at age 35 of malnutrition and pneumonia. And he died of malnutrition (laughs) because he shared whatever meager rations they gave the guys. He gave them his, or a good proportion of his anyway. So we're going to talk about heroic manly strength. Protective men. I love it. So if you want to come tonight, we're at PBS Kansas. Last night, we just had a bunch of walk-ins. I think it was the pizza. You can just come on on. We, we set up more chairs, and the place can hold well over 100, so we can, we can get more in here if we have to. Leave some room for the cameras, though. I, I want my face on the camera, you understand. Um, 
come on down. PBS Kansas. Uh, the first show is five thirty. Second show is seven fifteen. You can walk in. You don't have to sign up anymore. We're doing it that way. All right. Enough of inside baseball business. Let me give you the number to get onto the program. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL. That is the number to get onto the program so I can listen to you. And I'll do more talking than listening. Come on, you know that. That's the way it's going to be. But sometimes I'll let you talk more than me. That's usually when I'm drinking a Coke or something and I can't really talk or eating a pretzel or something. So it would sound bad if I did talk with a mouthful. I don't like to I don't like to eat with my mouthful. So eight seven seven fifty seven equal is the number. You got a question about life. You got a question about the faith. You are struggling with something, or you just want to run something by somebody. Say, am I am I crazy? It's like the old joke, you know, a guy walks into the psychiatrist's office, he says, I don't know, Doc. One night I dream I'm a wigwam. The other night I dream I'm a, oh, what is the wigwam? Oh, boy, this is bad. This is this is why the most dumb thing I say to myself, I'll rem- I don't have to write it down. I'll remember it. Oh, one night I dream I'm a wigwam. The other night I dream I'm a teepee. Am I crazy, Doc? Nah. You're just too tense. 877-57-EQUAL. Don't groan because you people aren't paying for this. Well, indirectly you are as you support your local Catholic station. So that is very, very nice of you. I think something people as a general rule do not realize is how powerful their thoughts are at creating their emotions. It is generally thought, (laughs) excuse the irony there, that emotions are feelings that just happen. Something happens, somebody says something, somebody does something, you react. Just a feeling. You can't control your feelings, right? They They just are. Reflex. In fact, there is a huge thought component to your emotions. It may feel like they just happen, but they don't just happen. There are thoughts, thinking, perceptions, interpretations underlying it, and they can dictate the level of emotions. Let me give you a couple of examples, and then we will extrapolate this to every day when people frustrate you. Picture yourself at a three-sided bus stop open to the outside on one side. It's one of those miserable Midwest days where the temperature is 38 and it's kind of rain sleeting, most uncomfortable form of weather. And it's also windy, blowing in to that three-sided bus stop. Just happens to be coming in exactly from that direction. Particularly crowded at this bus stop. It's a popular stop. People heading for work. And everybody's crowding back into the three-sided shelter to get away from whatever of the rain that is spitting on them that they can. It's miserable. It's absolutely miserable. You're toward the back. 
and you feel something jabbing at your heel and your calf. And it hurts. You figure, okay, well, somebody with an umbrella, point of an umbrella, that's what it feels like, the point of an umbrella. All right, they'll realize that they're hitting something and they'll stop. But they don't stop. It keeps happening. And as it happens, you're getting angrier and angrier. You start to think, what is this? Obviously, they know that point of that umbrella is hitting somebody. What is this? Is this their idea of fun? Is this their idea of a joke? Better knock it off. You're already in a bad mood from the rain in your face. Now, if at that point I were to say to you, why are you getting so upset? You would say to me, because there's somebody back there jabbing me in the heel, the calf, and apparently they don't care. It's their idea of a good time or something. I don't know. Goes on for another minute or two. You had enough. You spin around, ready to glare, ready to say something. And you see that it is an elderly woman who is blind with a cane, trying to keep herself oriented in the crush of bodies as she's getting pushed one way or the other. Frail. What happens to your anger? Do you think to yourself, <laughs> it's a good thing that you, you're old and you have a cane, but because I'll tell you what, you were just about ready to get it, and I'm still feeling like giving it to you. No, you don't think that at all. Immediately, within a nanosecond, for those of you who don't understand physics, that's one times 10 to the minus ninth of a second. It's one billionth of a second. Your anger dissipates. It's gone. Completely gone. It goes away. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said you were angry because you were getting poked. That's not why you were angry. You were angry because of the meaning you were placing upon the poke. As soon as the meaning changed, the anger disappeared. And it was probably replaced by maybe sheepishness, embarrassment, foolishness that you had gotten yourself so upset over something you didn't really know what the reality was. So, your thoughts, your interpretation. Oh, Dr. Ray, wait a minute, that's an extreme example. Come on. I'll give you another one. You call the police because you think someone's trying to get into your house. The police come to the door and they say, please step outside, rather firmly. You think to yourself, what, what do I have to step outside? I'm the one who called you. You step inside here. Step outside, ma'am, now. You're thinking to yourself, you don't, you don't have to get huffy about it. What are you doing? So you obey. You step outside. And they tell you, ma'am, it's standard procedure. When somebody calls us fearing a home invasion, we have to get them out of the house because we don't know who else is in there who might be holding them who might be behind them. So we can't just enter. We have to get you to safety first. What happens to your upset at the cops? It's gone. Completely gone. Why? 
You reinterpreted the situation. For most of us, we're not in situations like that, but we are in situations where people say things to us. And if I were to ask you, why are you so upset? It was because of what she said. Well, what did she say? Well, she insulted me. And why are you upset over an insult? Well, because she shouldn't say it. Okay, there's one thought. I don't deserve it. There's another thought. I don't do that to her. There's a third thought. All three thoughts increase your upset. If you were to say to yourself, yeah, she insulted me, but I really can't control what comes out of her mouth. And she's done that before, so I'm going to really work on not getting myself distressed over it because that's how she can be. Now, if you thought about it that way, the exact same insult wouldn't bother you as much. It's an insult. And you thought you should be upset because she said what she said. But that's not why you were upset. Because she said what she said. You were upset because you, you interpreted what she said. You took it personal. You took it as a personal slam. If you were to interpret it as she does that, she's probably insecure. It's her style. Why am I surprised? I don't think I deserve it, but I can't, I can't stop what she says. Now, all of that would reduce your emotion. All of it. You may not take it all away. You'll reduce it. Ask yourself, next time you feel agitated or distressed or fearful or anxious or whatever unpleasant emotion hits you, what am I thinking? How am I interpreting this? What are my thoughts about this that's creating this emotion? I'm Dr. Ray, 877-57-EQUAL. There's nobody there, which is a surprising thing. So you want to call? Give a call. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title of the angelic doctor. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote a basic textbook for young theology students that became the church's most famous guide to the faith, the Summa Theologica. It helped him earn the title doctor of the church. He died in 1274. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. 
Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. equal is the number to call. To get onto the program, I will let Eric scream those calls up there, and I will talk a little bit before we go to the phones. We don't generally study our thinking when we have an emotion. We are of the mindset, (laughs) excuse the irony there, we are of the mindset that These emotions are natural and automatic because of what happened. I've had parents split after the death of a child because one parent reacted with blame and guilt and never ever got over the death of the child radically altering the marriage the other parent did not react that way the other parent of course grieved but didn't add on the thinking of I failed the thinking of what did I do wrong the thinking of this is unfair the thinking of God shouldn't do this to me and so they went their separate ways because after three years one parent was still locked into a total constriction of life And the other parent wanted to at least try to move on, which created resentment with the parent who was still grieving or locked into the constriction of life. And so much of it, if they come to therapy, and I've had a lot of parents like that, so much of it, you have to sort through how are you interpreting, how are you assessing, if you will, your child's death get to the thoughts regarding and I had a very powerful case of that with a woman who came into my office to want to, she wanted to kill herself she was on the verge of suicide um, it was because of a traumatic event in her life and I can I'll get to that if I can but the calls are coming in so given that we had to sort through what it was that put her on the edge of wanting to end her life. There were three main ones, all of which were irrational, all of which didn't make any sense, but she believed them. And my point to her was, if you believe what you're thinking, then I can, in a way, sort of understand why you're at the emotional level you are. So I'll give you more details on that, but I want to go to the phones. Bill is calling from Divine Mercy Radio. I've had the, the good fortune to go down there and, and speak last year. What a great group that was. Hello, Bill. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Nothing gaining on me. Well, okay. I just wanted to make a, a comment. You're, you're making a great point. Uh, I'm a psychiatric nurse, so I can tell you you know, what your comments are. It ties in exactly with quantum physics and how everything is on a vibration, everything is made out of energy, 
and energy can't be created or destroyed. So we interpret what that energy says. So we're interpreting that it's either positive or negative. But the point that I'm calling about is, is that the Catholic Church has remedies for that, or at least when I was growing up they did, and that is offer it up to the cross. You know, uh, if you're having a, an emotion that you're having difficulty dealing with, well, then offer it up and let it go. You know, so you're, you're, you, the suffering you're taking on is removing that minuscule amount from the cross that Jesus carried, because, like quantum physics, past, present, and future is happening simultaneously. So, yes, you actually are relieving the, that suffering from the, from the cross for something that you're doing now, 2,000 years later. You know, I've never heard that parallel, that, that in fact the process of thinking and emotions is, is, is in tandem with quantum physics. Well, the, the outcome of an experiment in quantum physics alters based on the expectations of the observer. So if oh, you can change so things on a sub, subatomic level, then you can change it all it. the way up. What was that called? I remember I had, I had physics in college. What was that called, the effect of the observer on something you're trying to measure? Oh, There's I've a name for that. I've been a brain that. injury since then. I don't remember that stuff. <laughs> oh. Are you still a psychiatric nurse? I retired. I, I was forced to retire after a head injury. What was the most common diagnosis you saw, which I'm assuming was an inpatient setting? Yes, it was inpatient state psychiatric hospital, and then I did practice at a community mental health center. That was a bit different. In the inpatient setting, what was the most common diagnosis? Oh, uh, some type of psychosis. Generally, but that wasn't always the case of of, of reality. Uh, uh, quite honestly, you know, we looked at it as more causal than 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 the diagnosis. Um, Often it was they didn't get what they felt they needed from their parents or their teachers. They weren't loved enough. Uh, these were, this is the patient's perception of, of, of um, you, you know, of, of what their hurt was and their, their only way of, of responding. So, so, no, so in other words, you're saying is a depression with suicidal ideation. Right. Well, studies have shown that uh, like like when a when a baby goes under the kitchen sink and and drinks the the uh, Clorox, when they really do a full analysis of that family, that was a suicide. Because the baby can't tell the difference between their 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 living being and the parent. So if I hurt me, I hurt mom and dad. And then there's the the issue of. Uh, usually there was a fighting or there was something something going on in that family that that child, because the stuff under the sink was there yesterday, and it was there last week. So, why so that you're day, saying that that, you that, kind of, that kind of behavior from a toddler is intentional and not accidental? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Now, parents don't want to hear that. I get that. But that's what they've done a lot of studies on that, and it shows that mm -hmm. over and over again. I'd have a lot of questions about those studies because we have to ask, of course, what do the kids know about the, the toxicity of what they're doing. Um, and when they didn't do it yesterday, the opportunity didn't present itself. You get a little older, you get a little more curious. Fascinating. I'd like to see those studies. 
Well, Bill, I appreciate the call very much, sir. I'm bumping up against the break very shortly here, but I, I thank you for calling. Thank you, very, thank you very much. I, I hope use, use the faith. There are prayers. There are things that you can do to help mitigate your thoughts and feelings, and and just sh- share the stuff with the Catholic faith. And I'm done. All right, but they must want to do it. There's the there's the difference. They must want to do it. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate that. Eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five eight seven seven. 57 equal. If you have an example of how your own thoughts really twisted you into emotional knots, and it wasn't until you realized how you'd better look at this, or else you're going to keep those emotions solidly locked in place. 877-57 equal. Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor is In. with Teresa Tomio. A conversation I had several years ago with uh, one of our listeners who wrote to me and said she was being challenged by a friend or a cousin or someone regarding the church and various teachings, especially on marriage and abortion and whatnot. And she said, I need the answers and I need them quickly because I want to quiet this person and shut them down. And I wrote her back and I said, I'm not going to give you the answers. I will give you some resources such as the link to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I said, but you need to look these up and you need to read them over and you need to learn them because this is not going to be the last time that you're going to be challenged or questions about your faith. And what good is it if you're just barking answers to someone and you're not able to explain them charitably? This is a way we all should learn by doing the work ourselves. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. How does the Catholic Church regard the economy and social justice? The Catholic Catechism states the development of economic activity and growth in production are meant to provide for the needs of human beings. Economic life, first of all, is ordered to the service of persons, the whole man and the entire human community. Human work comes from persons who have been created in the image and likeness of their Creator God, who commissions them to prolong the work of creation by subduing the earth both with and for one another. Work is a duty, says the Catechism. St. Paul writes, If anyone will not work, let him not eat. Work honors the gifts and talents God has bestowed on His creatures. Work can be redemptive, when its hardships are placed in union with Jesus. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. My dear friend, Dr. K, called from Springfield, Illinois, and she did help me out. The phrase I was looking for, because I couldn't come up with it, the old I don't have to write it down, I'll remember it. That's happening a lot more these days. Um, 
observational bias. It's where the person that is observing a particular either procedure or something, particularly at the microscopic level, actually affects what they're looking at, which really makes it tough if you if you stretch it to get a good look at reality. Because if by looking at certain types of physical reality, you can change that reality just by looking at it, then it's really tough to know what the actual reality is. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call. Get onto the program. We're about the halfway mark. Program goes real fast for me. I don't know if it does for you, but it does for me. About the halfway mark. And uh, remember, as I said, when you call... We select calls on the basis of all kinds of factors, not just chronological order. Now, i got to admit, if somebody calls right at the top of the show or sometimes even before the show, I start to feel pretty guilty if they're still waiting there 35, 40 minutes later. Then I say, okay, well, chronology is starting to get a little more weight. But typically, it's uh, depending upon the call, depending upon how it relates to a previous call, depending upon how it can help somebody else, depending upon whether we've had that call uh theme for a while those are all factors that kick in and then the other unknown factor is eric because sometimes he just talks to the people and says you don't need to talk to dr a uh let me let me handle this which i suspect he's been doing 877-57 equal is the number i said i'd give you details on a situation i had when i worked at the mental health center in lisbon ohio i had a young woman Fairly young. I mean, my age, anybody's young. Uh, okay, let me, now I'll, I'll let Eric take care of that. She came in, and as I said, she was on the edge of suicide. And we, we talked for, oh boy, uh, three hours, four hours, something like that. I kind of suspended my other clients. Um, and Rita, I got you up there, and I'm, I'm going to come with you if you just just bear with me for a second as I as I move through this story, so don't go away. And I have a whole chapter in my upcoming book about inoffendability. But she had several thoughts that were pushing her to the point of ending it, despair. Her husband of, I don't know how many years, 12, 13, 14 years, 15 years, had just left her for the 21-year-old babysitter. And she had two pre-adolescent children. First thought was... I failed as a wife and mother. Obviously, had I not failed, he wouldn't have left. That's her first thought. Second thought. There's really only one person in life for each of us. He was mine. He's gone. So now I will never have anyone again. Third thought. She belonged to a particular religious perspective, not Catholic, who said... If you divorce, uh, you jeopardize your soul. You're in big trouble. So think about this. She failed in the past. Her earthly future is empty, at least of a relationship. And when she dies, she's not going to get any relief because, in fact, she's gone to hell. And I knew her enough to say, if I thought that, if I believed that, I can understand why you're looking at suicide as an option. So we spent three hours 
just essentially dismantling her thinking. Now, I wanted to go into more detail on that, but I got to go to the phones. Rita from Ohio. He has a, she has a suggestion for people who are easily offended, and I love suggestions for people who are easily offended because everybody's way too easily offended, and Christians should be the hardest people to offend. Hi, Rita. Hey, uh, Dr. Ray, thank you. Um, I, I want to talk about getting offended when someone means to offend you. I am one person who goes to the sidewalk to defend the unborn, and so people want to offend me. And I just wanted to say this um, from my perspective. When, when, it, when, it's, when it does hurt and it, it feels like your heart is imploding <laughs> and you don't want to be offended and you know what the truth is, but you have to deal with this, I think it's really good to spend some time being offended and talk with the Lord and ask him, why does this hurt me so badly? And I know that you were hurt like this, too. And and just having a nice, long conversation with the Lord about pain and, and offense and joining yourself to the way of the cross and um, before saying, I'm stronger than this. I don't have to let you offend me. I'm going to just say something and move on. Would you why, agree with me? And I mean, why, maybe well, spending, Rita, like, in, in, mm-hmm. in this particular circumstance, you being a, a sidewalk prayer, why would you have to step aside, get off the sidewalk, so to speak, and talk to yourself and talk to God about mm-hmm. why? this offends you no i mean later i mean you have to keep it together uh, i just mean um um later we, so even later why would is, you talk why would you have to talk yourself why? out of being hurt yeah because i i believe the lord lets these things happen to us so that we can join him on the way of the cross in a way okay. all right i got you so are, w- would it be a stretch like a, an examination of conscience That's where I was just getting to. Would it be a stretch to say that rather than being hurt and misunderstood as you're standing up for human life, the stretch would be this is uh, a blessing that you're getting abused? Yes, exactly. And um, yes, and I've I've learned this through examination. At the end of the day, why does why am I why is my heart heavy, and why does this bother me? And really talking with our best friend about it so does it bother you because you're hurting for them no it's usually so say someone insults my intelligence and i that usually does bother me for a moment you know and so i might think about it later and it's go well i'm prideful you know so that's what i'm saying or uh someone will say you should have never been born or you're you're worthless you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's all. Yeah. And, and this but might even do... happen in a marriage. Sometimes we say things oh, to hurt happens, the other. It happens in any human interaction. Yes. And I People say things sometimes designed to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But what yeah. you're saying, see, you're tapping into something. Uh, oh, shoot. It's going to cut me off. I'm going to let you go because I'm hitting the break. But if you stay there, I'm going to make a comment on this on the other side. Rita, thank you for the good stuff. This is Dr. Ray, 877-57-EQUAL. Just talk some more.
60 on 10 with Monsignor Charles Pope. The Seventh Commandment, you shall not steal. The Seventh Commandment forbids theft, that is, unjustly taking or keeping another's property against the reasonable will of the owner. It also prohibits deliberate retention of goods, lent, or of objects lost. It prohibits business fraud, paying unjust wages, forcing up prices, and taking advantage of the ignorance or the hardship of another person. It prohibits the appropriation and use for private purposes of common goods. Also, work poorly done, tax evasion, forgery of checks, invoices, excessive expenses, and waste. Under the Seventh Commandment is also tucked our social justice teachings, because if I have two coats, one of them belongs to the poor, and I reasonably ought to give what belongs to them, because God gave all the goods of this world for all the people of this world. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com. Can our society return to sanity? No, not without widespread spiritual revival. I don't see how it can happen. As Richard Weaver said in the classic, Ideas Have Consequences, nothing can be done until we have decided whether we are primarily interested in truth. And that's a capital T. Not my truth, not your truth, but the truth we share of an objective moral universe. And that's where we have to stand firm and insist with all grace and with all love that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he did teach that the truth is good and will set us free. But there's no freedom until we re-embrace some shared understanding of the truth. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. I touched a nerve talking about how we think ourselves into all kinds of emotional fretting, kinds of an emotional state. Uh, Rita had a great point. She, uh, she does a wonderful thing. She, after being insulted, some context, especially, especially insults that go right to the core of what's most important to her, she talks herself down. She basically analyzes how she's thinking. She, she connects her suffering, as small as it is, really, to our Lord's, which was infinite. And the point I want to make on that is she brought up the word pride. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a direct relation. The more easily offended you are, probably the more prideful you are. No, I'm just soft. No, no, you're, you're, you're prideful. They shouldn't say that to me. I don't deserve that. That's pride. I can't believe they said that. I don't do that to them. That's pride. It is. I'm not putting anybody down with it. I mean, I do it myself. But the more easily offended you are, the more you got to look at yourself and say, why do I think I deserve to always be treated a certain way? And when I don't get treated that way, especially by somebody that I think should treat me that way, like a spouse or a mother, then I am going to react emotionally at a level that is, in many respects, creating much more misery for me than actually deserves. Ramon, I think it's, I, I can't tell how uh, Eric spelled that. I don't know if it's Ramona guy or Ramona a girl from Texas. Dr. Ray, what a joy to be listening to you and getting to talk to you. 
Hey, I think the I name Ramon is really good. It's my favorite Spanish name. Well, thank you. I met you in September 2022, got to shake your hand, and I consider not washing it for several days. Was that you, Valde? <laughs> That's not why I called, though. Uh, about 26, uh, 27 years ago, I was about to start a new job, and a friend named Bob had retired from that uh, place of business. And he gave me some great advice some two weeks before I started. He said, don't take yourself too seriously and you'll do all right out there. And uh, there was hardly a day go by that I didn't think of Bob when something started to bother me. And I'd say, Thank you, Bob. I'm taking myself too seriously. And that would ease my emotions. And I still do it to this day. When I let something bother me, I realize that I'm the only one who can control that or control what is bothering me and deal with it that way. And I say, thank you, Bob, and offer a prayer for him and his family. Well, I just noticed here, Ramon, that... uh... Okay, you've been thanking Bob all these years, but, you know, you've been listening to me and you haven't thanked me, not once. So I'm feeling pretty offended. Well, please don't take offense because I started out by saying that I started not even to wash my hand after I shook yours. (laughs) Well, you should have because it was all sticky because I had some kind of cream stick on it and everything. You should have. But you know what you're saying here, Ramon? I think you're saying this in so many words. You're saying, don't make yourself too important. That's what I learned from Bob. Yes, sir. You know. Now, see, I had to correct Bob here. I had to broaden it out. So I think I should get a, like 2% credit here. You think? Well, and I look at it this way. The reason I was motivated to call today is because you have just confirmed that Bob's advice was uh, that of a trained psychologist almost, even though that was not his career. I think you know, whoa, Ramon. There's a, a lot of people a... that have more good sense than trained psychologists. I'm going to tell you that right now, and I'm not saying that to be some kind of self-effacing. I think it's true. I think there's some grandmothers who have more child-rearing sense than than psychological experts. You make such a great point. The great point is, as Saint Paul says, esteem others more highly than yourself. Well, that goes counter. That goes counter to this whole self-esteem movement. And if you decided, hey, I'm I'm not going to view myself as so important that nobody can say anything about me that that I interpret as an insult or a put down or hurtful or whatever. You say that to yourself. You you you've discovered, I think, a rule of life that will dramatically keep you on even keel. I hope, Ramon, though, I hope for your, if you're married for your wife's sake, that you did wash that hand, you know? I did. I did. Actually, I, um, I met you at a dinner, and I must admit, well, my goodness, it's like uh, uh, almost a sacramental to have gotten the opportunity oh. to shake your hand. I, wait a minute. It wasn't you, Valdi. It was Colleen, right? <laughs> was the dinner at Colleen? No, it was in Amarillo, Texas, a respectful oh. banquet. 
Oh, okay. Well, thank. I appreciate it, my friend, and God bless you. Thank you for the call and. And uh, as I say, I don't want to take myself too seriously. So the fact that you gave me such a great compliment and you said I didn't wash my hand, I'm not going to take that too seriously. Bless you, my friend. Thank you, Ramon. He blessed me today with the opportunity to talk to you, and I'm very thankful for that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Now, Lynn from Omaha has a very interesting perspective on this. And um, I'll let her offer this observation, and then I'll ask some questions about it. Hi, Lynn. Oh, hi, Dr. Ray. I've called you before about this, and I just want to comment that when one is mentally balanced, one can endure mean remarks or deeds, but when in imbalance, not so much. While words are not concrete objects in themselves, such can lead to suicide. For example, this one little girl, they kept telling her she's fat and she killed herself. Um, This is why... um, like, you are very healthy. You're a very healthy man, and you're very successful. So you have um, a greater strength to be able to resist malice. But somebody who is not so um, healthy mentally cannot endure remarks because of their ill health. Okay, let's, let's, let's chase that a little bit, Lynn. First of all, which comes first, to use a cliche, the chicken or the egg? If someone is mentally unhealthy, can part of that be that they've never really developed the ability to lessen the impact of what people say about them? Now, let's leave kids aside on this, because kids generally don't have the cognitive strength and ability to sort through bidding, getting put down in insults. They're, they're definitely more immature in the ability to do that. Let's, let's keep this at adults. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is this, if a person is mentally fragile, then it would behoove them where they can to begin the process of not being so easily distressed by what people say. I use the weightlifting analogy. If a guy walks into a weight room and he sees people doing bench presses with 90-pound dumbbells, well, that's crazy. He, he can't even remotely consider doing something like that. I don't care who he is. He's got to start out with the 30s. But three years later, if he sticks with it, he could be using those 90-pound dumbbells. So he had to start with the 30s. And I guess to piggyback on what you're saying, Lynn, somebody who is mentally more fragile from their history or whatever it might be can start out with the 30-pound dumbbells. They can train themselves to not be so distressed over maybe, let's say, a stranger's remark as opposed to their mother's. Yeah, their mother's is the 90-pound dumbbell. The stranger's the 30-pound dumbbell. So they work on that 30-pound dumbbell, and they get to the point where they're not so bothered by something that somebody says who doesn't mean much to them, the 30-pounder. Lynn, good stuff. Thank you for the call. I better... I better, let's see, don't call my mom. <laughs> don't call my mom a dumbbell. Okay, I won't. That's a good point. I never thought of that. This is Dr. Ray. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to his voice, to the peace you are seeking and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. 
Lord Teach Me to Pray is free. Go to lordteachmetopray.com, click on the red box, order the Lord Teach Me to Pray series now. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. The Heart of the Interior Life with Elizabeth Jingle. How does the enemy act when a person moves closer to God? St. Ignatius of Loyola writes in the second of the 14 rules for the discernment of spirits, For then it is proper to the evil spirit to bite, sadden, and place obstacles, disquieting with false reasons, so that the person may not go forward. The enemy bites on a person's thought, causing inner distress, worry, creating anxiety. The enemy's bite unsettles the person. The enemy does not want us to have peace of heart or happiness when we are growing in our service of God. The enemy also brings sadness. Father Timothy Gallagher writes, A sadness with respect to God, to prayer, to the love of others in God, that is, to everything involved in the pursuit of God's will. The enemy also brings obstacles and false reasons that disquiet, disrupting our interior peace. For more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Grandy. Before I go to Rita, Rita B. No, it's Rita, Michigan. Uh, Rita, don't go anyway. Just wanna, don't go anyway. Don't go away. Just wanna do my final, well, call it a grovel. Some of you have maybe been repeat listeners, and I think there are seven of you who are repeat listeners. Uh, I've been talking the last, oh, I'd say three weeks or so. Uh, about being in Wichita to tape Living Right with Dr. Ray, the TV show in its 13th season on EWTN Global Catholic Television Network. And we trying to uh, get an audience. And um, you guys have really responded. So within about, uh, well, let's see where I'm at here, about four hours, we're going to be taping uh, the 5.30 and the 7.15. And our guests are Father Drew Hoffman, who is pastor at St. Paul's Catholic Student Center, those of you in Wichita know where that is, State U. And Father Derek Tomey, chaplain, St. Pius the 10th Catholic Student Center, Pittsburgh State, which is here in Wichita. And Ray Capen, Ray Capen, who is the nephew of the servant of God, Father Emil Capen. And he has a fascinating story. It's kind of a uh, similar to, um, uh, once again, the mind is not helping me here. Uh, to the World War Saint, Maximilian Kolbe, who gave his life for the prisoners, and Father Emil did the same thing in the Korean War, in a prisoner of war camp. So they're going to be here tonight as guests, as well as the other good times we have on the show. You can just walk in. Details, we're at PBS Kansas Studios, 530, you don't You don't need to reserve. And the last time I'm going to say anything about Kansas... Aren't you glad? Tired of hearing it. Rita! Rita's homeschooling, and she's finding out that uh, she can get a lot of uh, educational progress in a relatively short period of time. Which, of course, the downside to that is that the children 
have all kinds of open time. Hi, Rita. Hi, Dr. Ray. Thanks for taking my call. I need your help. I heard somebody in the background there sound a little too young to homeschool. Yeah, I have um, my younger two are not homeschooled, but they do go to preschool three days a week so I can focus on my older two. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Oh, um, no, that's okay. So I, I started with um, CN, um, thanks to you, uh, the, the year right, right after COVID when they finished off that school year, and then they moved to a hybrid for the past three years. Um, so they do go twice a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. All their homework is done at home. But, um, yeah, they do finish quickly, and they're self-sufficient. They're, they're 10 and 8. Um, my son is getting bored. Even if I offer him, um, uh, you know, an electronic, he gets, he gets bored of that. They're both bored. They're like, we want to go to school. I'm not ready to throw in the towel because I would rather them be bored at home than learn God knows what in school. Well, that's um, your decision. You shouldn't, even, you shouldn't even be debating that then. So my, See, I'm, my I'm, sensing, is, I'm sensing a little wobble, wobbliness in you, which is if they, I know, if they I continue. Like I know. If they continue to be bored for another year, maybe I'll just give in and send them to school, even though I don't want to do that. Yes. Um, don't do that. Read it. Uh, don't do that. And. And that's that's my choice, right? Even though yeah, they'll get absolutely. over it, right? Well, here's here's I'll give you I'll give you something to say to your kids. Yes. Hey guys, you have all kinds of options. If you want to be bored, be bored. I'm not here to entertain you. I can give you stuff to do. But the one thing I will stop you from doing is mistreating each other. That's not going to happen. I'm going to deal with that. Short of that, you want to sit and pick your nose for two hours, that's up to you. That's it. See, I think what's happening is here, you're starting to doubt yourself. You're saying, well, okay, I really want to homeschool, but, you know, they seem to be getting discontent. And, uh, you know, this boredom here, and if that continues, I'm not sure what I'll do. Isn't that what you're doing? as much as I see it bothering them, and so then it bothers me. Um, well, why would it bother you? How? Okay, I talked to a priest from Tanzania, and we were talking, and I said, well, some of our kids say they're bored. And he looked at me. What What does that word mean? I said, well, it's, it's when you don't have something to do. How could you not have something to do? He didn't understand that. Your boys have all kinds of options. What they're basically saying is, I don't want to do them. Here's what you could do to stop the boredom complaining. You ready? Mm-hmm. Boys, you're telling me you're bored. I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to give you more schoolwork or I'm going to give you chores. You pick because that's what I'm going to do when I hear you saying I'm bored. We really don't want to hear that anymore because you have way too many things you can do. And that's very common. Do not let that rock you, Rita. Oh, that sounds like a nice song. Rock you, Rita. Take care, dear. This is Dr. Ray. I ran out of time. Hopefully see you tonight here in Wichita, KBS. PBS, Kansas. Well, God, that is not boring. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.